Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Hi, welcome to Business is Unusual. This is Aisla, and I'm here today with Taylor Rosti from Lasso Digital. Hi, Taylor. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm excited to be here today. I'm happy to have you. I know you were just saying your company has a podcast, so you've got the ins and outs of this whole process. Now, before we dive into learning more about Lasso Digital, which is a super cool name, tell me, do you have a hobby that you think folks that know you would be surprised or intrigued that you're into or an interest? Yeah, one that I think is always a little surprising to people is World War II documentaries. I've always been really interested in it, very fascinated in the sort of psychology of the Holocaust and obviously not that it's a good thing that happened, but just interested in like, how does that happen and how do people act in those ways that are really shocking and in a lot of my free time, my husband was a history major in college, so that's where our interests intersect. So I spent a lot of my free time reading World War fiction, watching documentaries, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I feel like I have a friend who listens to and watches documentaries about serial killers. I was like, why are you so into that? And she goes, honestly, I just want to know what to look for. <laughs> I want to be aware of the signs. And I was like, okay, that's understandable. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, you want to be aware of the signs? Because that was a pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of Dateline as well. So yeah, that goes right in line with that. If anything, it's maybe probably a little aggressively paranoid, but I feel informed. Yeah, there you go. It's not, in, it's informed. That's the one we're going for. Speaking of information, tell us a little bit about Lasso Digital and sort of your role or how you are showing up there or how you want to share that? Yeah, absolutely. So our company has been around for about 10 years, but Lasso really in its current form has been around for a little over two years. Mm -hmm. So we were a PR firm for a long time, primarily PR, primarily healthcare. So both like public health and then also like doctors and hospitals, private health. And then during COVID, we had the COVID midlife crisis, I call it, where everyone's, this is like a real pivot point. Like the world is changing. Who do we want to be? And we said, let's do work we really love. And we realized promoting a fine doctor, like, it's important. People need that. But that didn't really make us as fulfilled as like the public health work we did or some of the nonprofit work we did. So about two and a half-ish years ago now, we rebranded to Lasso and decided to really focus in on nonprofit and government. So we are a full-service marketing, communications, and fundraising firm ser serving nonprofits and government agencies. My role is CEO. I'm really lucky to be in this role when during COVID, again, during that midlife crisis, when the company was much smaller, we had scaled down a bit. People had left the company, not because of layoffs, just different reasons. People had looked for other opportunities. And I pitched the owner of the company. I said, what if you own it and I just run it? He was hmm. like, okay. And really, do you get that opportunity before you're 30? But really unique opportunity. I've gotten to, to run the company and grow the team. And it's just it's amazing. So I consider my role managing the team and but also inspiring the culture that I think makes Lasso really special. I read a little bit about you on your website, and I think I have some sense of this. However, I'd like to ask a question of, so what is it that in your life or past set the stage for this transition for you to want to run a marketing firm for nonprofits and government agencies? Yeah, I would say always. 
whether I realized it or not, as a kid, equity and like social justice was always really important to me. I remember as a kid, my parents were determined to cut down this very ugly tree in our backyard. Me and my friend were like, it's a living thing. How could you? So we had like picket signs and we picketed my backyard. It didn't work. The tree still came down. But I remember caring about people and the environment and things like that from a young age. So I think that was always present. I went to an Ivy League for business school and there's not a lot of people, maybe more now, but there weren't a lot of people then talking about social impact, but get a big job on Wall Street or get a big job with a fancy company. And I just happened by chance to take a class called Marketing for Social Impact my junior year of college. And I was like, I can do this. Like I can do marketing, not to make other white dudes rich, but to actually do good. And so that was a huge pivot point for me. So yeah, my degree was in marketing, but I had the social impact interest. And our owner, Eric, he and I both really share that kind of commitment to social justice. And so it was just perfect for us to take what we knew about marketing and PR and combine. So I think the ingredients have always been there, but it's been the perfect opportunity to finally put them together. It looks like you also did a lot of volunteering yourself that can connect you to the importance of the causes when you really see the impact. And I feel like my own experience of working both in corporate and nonprofit or social impact businesses is that getting the word out like that is so important. And yet it's also hard to prioritize it in the face of the actual needs that people are facing and or bottom line impact. So I think that it's really great that you have that specific focus because it can help people understand that you get and relate to what they're up to. Does that feel true to you? Do you feel like that focus helps people to understand that you're on their team, if you will? Or? Yeah, absolutely. We found in our, and this isn't certainly, this is a little bit sweeping, but we found generally that if companies work, if marketing firms like ours work with for-profit and non-profit, non-profit, always their feel good, right? We'll do a little pro bono or this client doesn't really make us any money, but we feel good about it. And that's not always true, certainly not across the board, but for a lot of organizations that mostly do for-profit work, the nonprofit work isn't as much of their focus. And so mm-hmm. we found that really putting a stake in the ground and saying we work with nonprofits has really engendered a lot of trust because they know that we care about their mission as much as they do. And we're not either trying to milk them and get as much money out of them as we can. And we're not also giving them subpar work. That's something I'm really passionate about. I think there's this feeling that nonprofits don't have a lot of money, so they get what they get. And it's they should still get the same like caliber of marketing services that the for-profits get. And so part of our model then, of course, is fundraising. So helping them get that money to afford those services that can really level them. It is really helpful. And I like the packaging. I was, when I ran a nonprofit, we always had development and marketing in the same umbrella container or whatever you want to call it, because they do fit really well together. This is business as unusual. What do you think is unusual about what you guys are up to? I have a guess, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, I would say there are two things. So the first thing is this model of doing marketing and fundraising. We don't really know. I'm sure there's somebody else out there somewhere that's doing it, but not a lot in Denver where we're located and really not too many that we found that do what we do, doing the full kind of integrated fundraising communications. And so that's super different because we can come up with a fundraising strategy and then we can actually follow it through to all of its execution. So instead of handing a nonprofit a fundraising strategy and saying, gee, we hope you have the bandwidth to do this, we can say, great, now let's help you write the appeal letter. Let's help you send out those social media posts like we will do it. So not all of our clients need that much end to end support, but we can provide it. So that's one big thing. The other thing is our culture. We have an incredibly unique and positive culture. During the Great Resignation, we grew our team from literally two at the height of COVID, myself and our owner, to now 13. 
in just a couple of years. So we've grown a ton and our culture just makes it incredibly unique and positive place to be. And I know a lot of my team members have worked at other places that were not so great. And they really have said just what working at Lasso is just completely unique. It's different than anything else. That has to feel good as a CEO to feel like that you're fostering a culture that feels engaging and supportive in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely come from my own experiences. I think my philosophy is like every bad boss has taught me something about how not to be that afraid. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm proud that I built a place that I want to work. Like I'm really happy being here. And of course, it's easy to say that when you're leadership, but it's a little unique. I have a couple members of my family that actually work for Lasso and they feel it too, right? And they, they'll tell me if I'm not right on that, but I know they feel the same and they feel the culture is really positive as well. So yeah, I'm really proud of it and I'm grateful that I get to work in a place that is so much fun. Do you have a story that you can share that wouldn't be obviously revealing of a client experience in detail that might also give a sense of the kinds of problems that you solve or an interesting solution that you came up with for a client around this particular service? Yeah, one I can think of. So we have a client that works with older adults. So basically trying to keep them in their homes as long as possible. So they help them with chores and kind of in-house services, helping them stay safe and stay at home. So we work with them. They came to us and they had recently lost their director of communications during COVID. That was a necessary change they had to make to eliminate that position. And because their donor base is often the people who also receive their services, right, there's a lot of turnover. And unfortunately, when your donor base is older adults, eventually those folks pass on. And it's a hard, it's a challenging problem to keep up new donors. So they came to us with that challenge. And the other challenge they had was that their brand had been around a long time and was trusted, but it was also a little outdated. Their logo was this like purple that just felt very outdated. And they called it Maroopal, maroon purple. (laughs) And they hated the Maroopal logo. And so we've worked with them now for, I believe it's going on to almost three years. So that's been a unique one that their our solution for them is basically to be their outsourced communications team. So we work hand in glove with their development director to develop the fundraising strategy. And then we manage all their social media. We write all of their appeals. We do their annual reports. We do everything. And that's not the case for every client, but that's a they were actually the ones that inspired us to take on fundraising as a service because they initially worked with a fundraising agency and then with us and we worked with a fundraising agency and we said it would be a lot easier if we just did this ourselves, right? We could, instead of having them write some things and us write them some things, we could do it all. Yeah, that's been a really unique one that we've been able to help them keep their staffing low and really for the cost of one or two staff, they're getting a copywriter, a graphic designer, an advertising strategist, all those things. So that's been one that's been really exciting. I can imagine that would be really usually enjoyable too. the satisfaction of being able to put something into practice and to see the results and to see the benefit and the, and the social impact has to that beginning to end process. That sounds pretty fulfilling. Yeah, it is. I worked previously as a fundraising consultant. So again, just, just the fundraising, not the comms. I did that several years ago. And um, that was a part that was a little bit of a bummer, right? Is you'd put together the strategy, you tell them, here's what you need to do. And then we didn't really do it. That wasn't really our job. And you hand things on to these little nonprofits going, are they ever going to do this? Or is all my work going to literally just be shelved? So it's really satisfying in this role to be able to do strategy and then really get to actually see the tangible benefit for a client. Who do you think thrives with your service? I would say we've 
talked to a lot of nonprofits lately that have been interested in us that have never really focused on individual donors. So maybe they have a lot of corporate donations or maybe they have government grants. A lot of the ones we work with work in like health or something related where they can get a lot of government money. And so they've never had to think about individual donations. And I know government grants are shrinking across the board in a lot of issue areas. And so they're thinking, how do you start? How do you start getting individual donors? So that's one one group I think really thrives with their services. We can really help them build out their individual donor strategy, which is really different, of course. It's much more personal than courting, writing a government grant application or courting a corporate donor. That's one organization, type of organization I think does well. I think another one is any organization that has really not thought too hard about their forward-facing image. And you mentioned it earlier with your own experience, like marketing is the first budget item to be cut. And I understand it's do we use this five this five dollars to our mission or do we use it to boost a Facebook post? We're going to use it for our mission. And we get that. But we also know that all of those other things, those things that people call marketing or development, like that's what leads to more money for the mission. So I think we've definitely worked with a lot of clients and been successful where they've said, we've never really done much with Facebook. We've never thought that hard about it, or we never had someone that had time for it. I think the clients that work well with us are ones that have amazing stories to tell. They're doing amazing work. And really, they just need someone to get the word out there in a really polished way that reaches the right people. Can you share some advice that you feel you lean on or has influenced you in your work or in your personal mission, whatever feels most relevant? Ooh, that's such a great question. I don't know if this is the most serious advice, but our owner always says you spend too much time at work to have it not be fun. And that's just something that we've stuck with and I've stuck with as we've grown the company is that, yes, work is obligatory for most of us. We need to work to pay our bills, do our things, but it doesn't mean it has to be a negative experience. And so that's something I think about a lot in the work that we do is that Obviously, there's professionalism that's important to be formal in some ways, but really at the end of the day, like there's nothing wrong with having fun and enjoying each other and sharing a couple memes over Slack while we do the important work that we do. So that's something I take to heart every day. And I try to remind myself is what's not always been the best about work-life balance. I tend to work a lot. And so remembering that I need to keep the work fun because it is a lot of my life. It's really helpful to remember that we are people doing work, not I don't know, work doing people. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I made that up, but for some reason it made sense in my head. No, I know what you mean. We're not workers first. And that's something that's really important to our culture. It's been hard when people say, what makes Lash Show special? Or what's the culture? What is the culture about? And it's a lot of things, but I think more than anything, it's considering that people are people first and they have lives outside of work and we honor that and we support that. And mental health is really big me. So for example, I put my therapist appointments on my calendar, like publicly where my team can see them because I want everyone to know it's okay to take your therapy appointment during working hours. And a lot of my team members do that. Yeah, it's just things like that where it's remembering that people have lives outside of work and to the extent we can support that and allow them to do both. That's just the best for everyone. It is important to model it as a leader. I think the thing that I've seen is well-intentioned people. I guess I shouldn't try to speak to what people's intentions are. But my experience of them is they don't want to create a scenario where their people feel obligated to work all the time. But because they have that instinct, they send me emails at three in the morning. People still feel that, oh, like you say that it, we're supposed to have a balance, but what you do is different. And that actually is, gets translated. Being able to model that is, a, I think, very powerful 
an important aspect to re- really creating that positive culture. I would agree. And that's definitely something I got called out on a bit. So I have a two-year-old and when he was born and when he was little, I was working part of the time at home with him and then part of the time I would have a nanny. And so because of that, I was missing a lot of working hours and I would work late at night or early in the morning. And there for a while, it was a necessity, but eventually it became just a habit of after he would go to bed, I would do a couple more hours of work. And one of my managers called me out and I asked, what could I do to be a better manager? And she was like, maybe model work-life balance better, which really was, I always tell my team, do as I say, not as I do. But obviously that's not great to live by long-term. So it was a good reminder. So it's been challenging for me to put down my computer every day at five and do that. But I try to remember even... Obviously, it's good for me, good for my family. But if not for all those things, it's also really good for my team because I want that for them, too. I don't want anyone working at nine unless that's when their brain's happy and that's when they want to be working. And maybe that's better for their productivity. But I don't want anyone to ever feel like that has to be their schedule. Right. That's the only path to success, right? That's the part that we want to because, yeah, some of us do work better at one in the morning and that's fine, too. So what do you do to keep yourself inspired or to recharge when it feels like too much or it's hard to generate creativity. What's your secret? Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, my secret. Jeez, if I had a secret, I would tell you. No, I think one of them, I love reading management books and getting fresh perspectives. And that's something I do a lot. Definitely not like a by the book sort of manager, but I always think reading like different thought on on how to manage people and how to encourage people helps me. I've been on LinkedIn a lot more lately, and I think that's been great. Certainly there's not, some of it on there is not as helpful, but just seeing other companies that are leading in a way that's values driven is really inspiring because sometimes you can feel crazy when people are like, so you just let people take the day off when they need it. How do you keep, how do you get all your work done? And I know what we're doing is the right thing to do and that it works, but sometimes it can feel like we're a little crazy. Like why is no one else doing what we're doing and taking care of their people the way we do? So I think getting on LinkedIn or reading from other companies that are doing similar stuff is important. And then just completely unplugging. I try to, we like to travel, my husband and I, so I try to get out and do that and completely unplug, get off Slack, get off email, and just take some time away. And I find that perspective is always really helpful too. What does success look like to you? And I think success, you know, more broadly to me looks like, honestly, even though I love our competitive advantage, more companies doing what we do, like understanding that fundraising and marketing go together and that if you're not giving both of them, you're shorting your clients in some way. So I think seeing our model catch on will be success. I think, you know, continuing to grow a really healthy team and get the word out about culture is something I'm really passionate about. I've really been interested in finding speaking opportunities and talking more about what we've done to craft the culture that we have. I'm really passionate about positive workplaces, about inclusive workplaces. And so to me, like success for me personally, as well as a company would be being a model for other companies, whether they work in the same industry or not, just in the culture and the way we take care of our people. And of course, above all else as well, success for our clients, helping them raise more money, helping them get the word out what they do, get more volunteers, whatever it is that they're trying to achieve, helping them do it's always going to be at the forefront of what we do. I think that's great. The model piece, I actually recently got involved in a international training group for who they call post-growth entrepreneurship. So teaching business development skills that it, it acknowledges we need some profit, but we often conflate profit with profit, which is profit with extraction. And in not extracting the value from your people, whatever the resources are that you have, but instead putting those back into the community or the people you work with, there's a bunch of different models. And I like seeing, like you said, like I like seeing that there are so many 
different businesses and business development concepts and models that are really acknowledging that the way that we have been doing it is a little, it's deficit oriented is what I think. So let's, rather than being deficit oriented, let's create something that's truly sustainable and functional for the whole package, including the people that work there. Yeah, I love um, that. I used to tell my team that like, I want them to be better off, whether that means that they're in a spot. And I always joke, no one's ever leaving me, so don't think about it. But I have an amazing team. But I say, I want you to have a title on your resume that if you ever left, it would be a title that would be helpful to you. I don't want anyone to be marketing ninja where like they go to another company and someone, what is a ninja? Where does that rank? So I'm really big on giving my team titles that would help them if they ever chose to leave. It would help them get hired, giving lots of training. So I really believe in that. I think if you pour into people, ideally that will create loyalty and they'll be happy to be there and happy to do good work. But if not, if that means that they need to go elsewhere or they find another opportunity, then I still feel glad they can be a better worker in the world because of the time they had with us. So I definitely believe in that kind of a value add and not a value subtract. It's not a zero sum game, right? It's not if I do better or if our company does better, our workers have to do worse. I think everyone does better when everyone does. Exactly. When you have, when your employees and colleagues don't feel distracted by all those different concerns and they actually have support and the resources to address whatever's going on in their personal lives, everything just works smoothly, more smoothly for everyone. So it's, what I love is that a lot of the more humane ways of doing business are actually more economically viable. It's a, and I know it's, I don't want to be make reducing it to that, but I also feel like it's important to recognize that a lot of the wisdom that centers human experience and community engaged business behaviors is also, in addition to being more effective, more profitable. And so it, there is a business case for this that we don't necessarily want to have to make. And yet at the same time, I think there are ways in which that could be helpful for people who may be feel somehow like it is what you said, a, a zero-sum game. And it, in that, you know, we're going to counter that narrative with some facts. And then, because it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, like you said, it's having to speak in the language that unfortunately people care about, which is the economic piece. Like it feels in some ways yucky to reduce it to, to economic growth or economic performance. But I think it's completely right. We're in the process of getting B Corp certified right now. And so interesting to me, all the different factors to look at. But I look at them and I think none of these are going to hinder our work, especially the things that we haven't quite done yet. So as part of the B Corp, if you're not familiar, you can get a certain number of points on the B Corp assessment and you don't have to get all of them. So there's lots of things that we don't do yet or are goals for us. And I'm, I'm just amazed. Like, why doesn't everyone do this? Like all the things on this assessment feel like things you should want to do anyway. So I totally agree. And I think that's fundamentally what makes our business model different is we really just believe, apart from the fundraising piece or whatever, we just believe that if you fully invest in people and put them first in everything, the profit will come. And that's something we really stick by. For the folks who are listening and who their ears perked up and wanted to know more or follow you or hire you or learn about that process, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely. Our website is lasso, L-A-S-S-O, like a rope, lassodigital.co. My email is taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at lassodigital.co. And you can also find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook under Lasso Digital. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about what you guys are up to. Do you have any final things you want to say or do you feel like you have fully represented? 
podcast wise in this moment. No, no, I think it's <laughs> great. Thank you for the opportunity. We're really passionate about doing business differently. And so really excited to be here and to share more about what we're doing that's a little bit unique. So thank you for the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.